Well, in this particular case, we're talking about a life of a porch pirate. It's uh, 720 WGN, John Landecker at 735. And when it comes to the holiday season, you know, your packages are delivered. And then your pirates who come to the porch, they can rip you off. Ho, ho, ho. Well, who do you turn to when you need information about what to do about that? You're saying to yourself, John, this sounds like an introduction to Herb Weisbaum, the consumer man from checkbook.org. You would be correct. Good evening, my pirate, me hearty. How you doing, Herb? <laughs> you have no idea, but I was a pirate. <laughs> How so? Uh, we have this celebration in Seattle uh, yeah. every year, and uh, yeah. it's called Seafair, and we have the Seafair Pirates. And one year, I was Davy Jones, one of the pirates. <laughs> I got to ride in the torchlight parade with my long hair and my sword and uh, went, arg all down the way from... <laughs> All down the streets of Seattle, it was just awesome. So uh, I am a, a pirate at heart. So yo-ho, yo-ho, my friend. Be yeah. hearty. Yeah. I mean, you know, people think a consumer man. And that's got to be a pretty low-key, dull life. Oh, no. He is a pirate in Seattle where it counts. But how about- And if you've been sued as many times as I have, John, it's not a low-key <laughs> life, let me tell you. Okay, so, you know, here here we are on the holidays, and, you know, there's some things that need to be, people need to be aware of, because, you know, I know that there's a lot of deliveries going on. I mean, even the post office has a a deal going with Amazon, uh, trying to get everything out. And so they're coming to the porches, and people have, uh, you know, they're not there necessarily to answer the bell when someone arrives, and... You've got the article, Don't Let Porch Pirates Plunder Your Package Deliveries. So take it away, Mr. Pirate. Sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, we couldn't find any statistics, hard statistics, on how big of a crime this is because it's really not tracked as a separate crime. And in most cases, most people don't report it to police anyway. They just contact the shipping service or the retailer and try to get it taken care of. But a survey was done, I found, by a, a, a marketing company called chamberofcommerce.org. That's not the Chamber of Commerce, but it's a company called chamberofcommerce.org. And they said, based on their survey, that nearly half, 49% of online shoppers, said they were concerned about porch pirates, and almost one in three, 31%, said they didn't buy expensive items online to avoid package theft. There's no question from all the stories anecdotally that this is a problem that has increased with the volume of online shopping and the value of the merchandise that people are now, you know, people get online, uh, big TVs that are shipped uh, through the mail now uh, through online shopping. Uh, so I, I contacted a professor. His name's Ben Stickle. He's a professor of criminal justice administration at Middletown, uh, Middle Tennessee State University. He uh, specializes in a number of crimes, including porch pirates. And here's his quote, John. It's one of the most common crimes we have in the country today. If you're going to be a victim of a crime this year, most likely you'll be a victim of having someone steal your package. End of quote. So I guess we can agree on the fact that this is a growing problem and uh, it's going to get worse until somebody figures out how to deal with it or people, as we'll talk about in a minute, do things to protect their packages from being stolen. What about these cameras that a lot of people have that show what's going on on their front porch wouldn't that deter somebody from coming in and taking a package knowing that they're being recorded well it used to be in the in the old days when when these cameras were something new i think they did scare off a lot of porch pirates the problem is that it doesn't seem to bother them uh, in this day and age uh, again based on that survey that i talked about from the company called chamber of commerce 22 percent 
said their home had a doorbell camera, and more than a third, 38%, said they believe doorbell cameras are no longer an effective deterrent. When I asked Professor Stickle about that, he actually looked at videos taken of porch pirates in action. So they got their hands on a whole bunch of videos that people shared with them of porch pirates, and he found that only about 5% made any attempt to cover their faces or conceal their identities. So basically, they walk up, they see the camera, maybe they wave at it. Hi, how are you? Take the box and they're on their merry way. Because as he told me, this is a low-risk crime. It's a low-entry point, low-risk crime. It's not like stealing a car where you maybe have to know something. You just drive along or follow a delivery uh, truck, look for the packages, you take the package, and the odds of being prosecuted are pretty low. Uh, and so it's a it's a low uh, entry point and a high uh, reward and low risk kind of crime. And that's why it's going on. But I think in most cases, the only value of the camera would be that if somebody did steal something from your porch and the delivery service or the retailer questioned whether there had really been a porch pirate theft, you could say, no, I have the video. Take a look at the video and you can see that somebody really did steal the package. But I don't think it's going to deter as many folks as we maybe think it will. Now, you mentioned earlier an example of a large screen TV which obviously mm-hmm. has a very telltale package that would be on your porch. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't th- I wouldn't think that, and it's just my thought, that not many people, if they're going to order a large screen TV, are going to uh, have circumstances where they're not going to be around when it's delivered. I mean, that is expensive, number one. Two, gigantic, so it's easy to tell what it is. And mm-hmm. if somebody was going to be, if somebody was in the porch pirate business, That would be like prime material, but other packages aren't necessarily identifiable by their box or the shape of their package that they're in. So how do the porch pirates determine what they're going to take, really? Steal steal now and figure it out later. later. They just... They just take out the, the package and hope there's something in there. The average loss, according to that survey I was talking about, was $82. But I'm sure there's a lot of things in there that were a lot more expensive. But you made a good point, and I think we should tell people how to try to prevent this kind of thing. Yes, if you please. know you're getting something coming, look for those alerts. The retailers and the shipping companies send out alerts. Look for the alerts to see when the package may be coming. If you can't be home, maybe work out a deal, as I do in my neighborhood with my neighbors, the two of us look out for each other. They check my house at this time of year, especially for some kind of delivery. They were gone for a couple of weeks. I snagged all their packages. I was gone for a week on vacation recently. They got my packages because I knew I couldn't get them. If you get the alert and you know you can't be home, is there somebody else in the family who's at at the house? Can you contact a neighbor to grab the package? Or you can do a couple of other things. You can have it sent to a locker. You know, Amazon and these other shipping companies have either lockers or they'll hold it for you at their at their location so you can pick it up. So therefore, it's secure until you get it. Or you could have it sent to work if you know maybe you have a mail room or something like that where you know it would be secure. Or you could actually just tell them to hold it because you're going to be gone and you'll pick it up when you get back. So there's no reason really to have that thing, these packages sitting on your porch where somebody could pick them up. My neighbor, who like lives on Amazon, uh, he got one of these lock boxes that's right there on the front of his house, and they drop the packages in there. It's a secure box. You can get them at about starting at 100 bucks or so, but if you're one of those people who lives online, uh, you, can, you can do that. Um, I just want to comment on one thing you said because it really is something that annoys me. You said, you know, they ring the doorbell when they don't ring the doorbell. And that really bugs me. 
they go up to the door, they drop the package, they do not ring the doorbell or knock on the door in most cases when they're like two inches away from the doorbell. They believe it's not their obligation. I don't believe the companies require them to do that. So they drop the package right in front of the door where everybody can see it. Or in my case, sometimes they put a big package right behind the garage door. So when you in suburbia, you get in your car through the house and the door opens and you might not see that package, that gigantic package sitting there behind your car and you run it over. I think that the company should start being a little bit more responsible. Yeah, three or four more seconds at every stop will slow them down a little bit. But you know what? This is getting out of hand, and pretty soon it's going to start costing them significant money. And and I think they should be doing that. At least they can. They send you a picture that they dropped it off after right. they dropped it off. Maybe. And you know, I don't. I'm older now. I don't live on my cell phone 24/7. I don't live on my email 24/7. I might get that three or four hours later. It's like ring the damn doorbell and just i'm in the house and i'm the back of that just let me know that you're there but they don't and i'm sorry package delivery companies i know you're stressed i know you're doing a lot but i think you could help protect those of us who are taking advantage of your service both the retailers and the customer on the other end of the line think about that so if this package gets pirated is there Mm -hmm. any recourse is there any refund is anybody responsible for paying it back since the theft has occurred yeah, contact the contact the shipping company and or the retailer. Probably start with the shipping company. Let them know what happened. In many cases, they will help you to try to make you happy or send another product or something like that. Again, mm-hmm. if you have evidence such as from a, a camera on the doorbell, that would be really great. If you don't get any uh, help, you might want to file a police report. You can do that online now. Cops aren't going to investigate, but it gives you a legal document. Right. And then you could uh, say to them, look, I filed a police report. This thing was stolen and, uh, and do it that way. Uh, you could, tr- you know, if it was really expensive. I mean, like gigantic couple thousand dollar big screen TV and they wouldn't help you. You could invoke your homeowner's insurance. There'll be a deductible. Your premium might go up a little bit. Credit cards, some of them have theft, theft protection, but it's secondary. You'd have to file a claim with your insurance company first and they'd pay whatever the insurance company doesn't pay. So in most cases, your best course of action is to deal with the shipping company and the retailer and hope that they will help you doing that or prevent it from happening in the first place with all the tips we talked about earlier. All right. Herb Weisbaum will do more when we come back on 720 WGN. See, she wants to return it. 749 and 720 WGN with John Landecker, Herb Weisbaum, Consumer Man. Herb, did you know that there was a TV? I just found out today when I was trying to do some stuff for your appearance mm-hmm. here that there was a a television sitcom that ran for a while that was... The plot was people taking things back to the store. <laughs> that was it. Really? I'd nev- yeah. I'd never oh heard of goodness. it. Yeah. And no, episode, no. Ep- episode after episode, people would bring things back, and that was their plot device. Gee, I can't imagine why it didn't succeed. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, yeah. you know, the, yeah. at this time of year, people get things, and sometimes they like them, and sometimes they're like, well, you know, I don't know about that, and. Maybe some people go, you know, maybe I want to return this. Maybe after all, it's not what I was uh, counting on. Or maybe there's something wrong with it or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I guess understanding from your article on checkbook.org that returning things just isn't what it used to be. Am I right? Yes, in many cases, that's correct. Uh, our good friend at consumerworld.org, that's a website uh, based in Massachusetts, uh, took a look at this. He's done this for a gazillion years now. Every year he looks at the holiday return policies. And the basic conclusion is that 
holiday return policies still are much more generous across the board than normal return policies mm. for obvious reasons that they want to make it easy for people. But they're starting to get a little bit shorter in some cases, and there's in some cases starting to get a little bit more of a hoop to jump through. And in some cases, and this is a growing trend, some retailers are making you, if you got it via mail order or, or, or online, and you want to send it back, if you don't take it to a place where they accept the returns and you ship it back to them via mail, uh, or you will pay some uh, money to deal with that shipping as opposed to being a free return because we'll get into this, but it's because people have gotten so crazy with ordering stuff online. And then, you know, I get six sweaters and I'll keep the green one and send right. the other five back. Um, that somehow they got to deal with this monster that they created by letting people just order everything and then shipping it back for free. So that's, those are the big changes. The windows are getting a little bit shorter. There's a few more hoops to jump through. And in some cases you're going to have to pay if you're going to send it back and not drop it off at a Amazon place or a, one of their, like a Coles or a, 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 the, the food store or Whole Foods where they do it or something like that. So that's the three things to look out for. What are what are some of the uh, retailers, what are they doing specifically about their returns? Well, Edgar, our friend Edgar at the Consumer World uh, surveyed 11 major chains, mm-hmm. and I'll just give you a few of the examples that, uh, that he found. Um, and by the way, keep in mind when I said there's hoops to be involved, in most cases, electronics, have a much shorter return period than for other merchandise, such as clothing or household goods. It's done in part to, re- to reduce return fraud. So if you're going to return something and it's electronic-related, make sure you check the policy pretty quickly before you like wait a couple of weeks because you might have seven days to take back that TV set or the stereo system or something like that. But anyway, here are a couple of noteworthy things he noted. Amazon delayed the start of its holiday return policy by 21 days. So most purchases starting through November 1 and uh, can be sent back as as late as January 31st. So you have a fair amount of time. They used to be in October. They moved it to November. Uh, Something else that Apple's doing is a trend across the board. Apple products may have a shorter return window than other products. So they're both electronic and Apple, which is a high fraud area. So if you bought an Apple product on Amazon, Mm -hmm. you have a a shorter 15-day window uh, that's extended to January 15th for holiday purchases. And they're going to charge you a buck for some UPS drop-offs if an Amazon-affiliated location such as a Whole Foods or Kohl's is much closer to you. There may be some restocking fees in some cases, but in many cases, the retailers got such a blowback on that that they've, in many cases, reduced the or eliminated uh, uh, those kind of restocking fees. Walmart added a new return window for major appliances. It's now only two days. That's two days. And Walmart.com will no longer match the price of other retailers, which is interesting because we're getting in a world where more people are matching more things. Macy's added a $9.99 return shipping fee for non-star reward members, and the return period was shortened from 90 to 30 days. Uh, Kohl's will not pay for return shipping by mail. TJ Maxx and Marshalls raised their returns by mail shipping and handling fee by a buck to $11.99. That's pretty steep. Yeah. And Staples shortened its holiday purchase window by nine days, accepting returns until January 14th for items purchased since November 12th. On the other hand, Consumer World gave a shout-out to two retailers for having continued their generous return policy. So a shout-out to Target. It offers a one-year return period for house-branded items. Its wow. holiday purchase window started five days earlier this year, October 1st. And Home Depot allows one year to return purchases made using the Home Depot credit card. So if you got a snowblower for Hanukkah or Christmas, <laughs> you got a long time not to use it and return it if you want to. 
Now, why is it that they are so generous and the others are not? I, something doesn't equal, something doesn't match up. What is, yeah, it, about, I think it's because, what is it about Target I think it's because, and Home Depot that makes them different? Well, remember, it's not for everybody. So that's a marketing uh, selling mm-hmm. point to get their house branded, you know, to either buy house branded products for Target or for Home Depot to use their credit card. Yeah. That's yeah. a, an extra little perk you get. You know, like Macy's has special sales for people who have their credit card. It's one of the perks of, of being a member of the club, so to speak. And that's, you know, that's their marketing uh, little shtick. So. Well, that makes sense. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's good marketing. That's uh, good yeah. PR. Uh, that drives, pe- drives people to, uh, to take advantage of what they're offering. We're talking to Herb yeah. Weisbaum. From uh, the consumer man from checkbook.org. Herb, let's talk about your podcast. Fill us in what's happening, where it's happening. What are you talking about? Okay. Uh, The podcast is consumerpedia.org. We do it every other week on Checkbook. And uh, the current episode, which is up right now, uh, is uh, titled Smart Toys, the Privacy and Security Risks. I can briefly tell you about that, which is all these new smart toys with onboard cameras and microphones and sensors, and some of them compare with Bluetooth or the Internet. They can do amazing things. They can also collect all sorts of data on your child, including pictures, their name, their age, their birthday, what they do, and they can ship that all back to the toy company, and they can sell it to some other company. So if any parents listening bought smart toys for their kids or are giving smart toys to their kids, you absolutely need to listen to to this or read it online and see all the really creepy things that these toys can do and the security and the privacy risks they create that you may not be aware of. They do really cool things, but uh, once they're connected to a Bluetooth or the Internet, uh, some scary things can happen. You know, I don't have any people of that age in my gift group that I would be giving a toy that was a smart toy what what would be an example of a smart toy for a kid you know well there are there are like robots and there are also certain video games uh there are now you know there are teddy bears and and the dolls that have cameras and microphones in them and and you know and the other thing is if it's if it's there's a if it's activated like if it's bluetooth connected and some of these uh the uh, this report that i quote in this in the story that came out the the password for the bluetooth protection was zero 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 (laughs) zero And they tried it with three separate phones, and there was not even a password asked for, so it required no password. If you're walking by within Bluetooth range and you're some scumbag, you could actually pair with that kid's toy, and you could then start talking to the kid through your, through your smartphone, do a lot, and it's happened. This is not a could happen. There have been cases where criminals have actually paired to kids' toys, and, and there were videos a couple of years ago, and they'd be talking through these, the, the, like the baby monitors and the mm-hmm. smart speakers, and, yeah. hi, this is Santa, I'm watching you. And, <laughs> oh, my I mean, God. That's, that's or the toy can say, if it, some of these toys, John, now have AI, so the toy can interact with the kid. Hi, what's your name? Oh, hi, Billy. What's your birthday? Da-da-da. Oh, that's great. Where do you go to school, Billy? Well, that all gets sucked up and goes to, uh, to the toy manufacturer, and the toy manufacturer can sell it to a data broker, whatever it wants to do. And, and imagine with all the data breaches that go around, I mean, the potential for mayhem here is growing. And parents, I'm not mm. trying to scare them, but you have no, to be no. cognizant. You bet. And there are switches you can turn on and off and settings you can turn on and off. And that's why you got to just know what to do if you get these things. It's not just plunk it down on the floor and when it's open Christmas yeah. Day, away we go. You need to read and find out what this toy is collecting and what it's doing with it and maybe make some smart decisions. So that's on consumerpedia.org right now. And the next one we're going to do, John, in January, and you and I are going to have a great conversation about this. 
The headline is, the title is, Whatever Happened to Customer Service? <laughs> and as David Jennings would tell you, it's long gone, baby. It is long gone. Or, well, it's, I, been, or it's been replaced by AI. Yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, well which which replaced, tries to gone. sound good, but doesn't quite always make it. Well, uh, have, a, John. have a happy holiday and a great new year, and we'll look forward to talking to you, Herb, about that uh, when we get to the next year, which is just around Thanks, the corner. John. You betcha. Thank Herb you. It's always fun. Thank you. Always fun.